Welcome back to what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. I'm Vincent Lancey, speaker and author of the book Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption. Want to know what it's really like to be an entrepreneur? Well, you came to the right place. Whether you're already an entrepreneur or looking to start your journey tomorrow or someone who just needs a little extra motivation to get through the day, this is the perfect podcast for you. This is the place where you will learn exactly what it's like in the world of entrepreneurship and hear authentic stories of entrepreneurs grinding on each episode. My goal for this podcast is to help you realize that giving up is never an option. If you missed the last episode, be sure to download after you tune in today. My guest on the show today is a very good friend of mine who is also a diligent worker and someone who makes his peers around him better. Even though I'm a Jets fan and he's a Patriots fan, I still had to have him on the show today. He took the leap years ago to run his own business after a successful start at another job, and he has not looked back since. I'm excited to share his story with you all today, and I'd like to introduce Ryan Robido. Hey, Brandon, thanks for having me, man, and uh, I'm really happy for you, even though even though you're a Jets fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you on. Ryan, why don't you share a little bit of your story and then what you're working on today? Sure. Um, so where we're at today is I run um, a recruiting and talent sourcing company called Envision Resource Group. Uh, we're based here in Tampa, Florida, but we service uh, companies all around the U.S. and we've done some work internationally. Um, we've got a couple of different service models. Uh, we offer niche IT consultants for major enterprise projects that large companies have going on. Um, we do some permanent placement, uh, and then we've also got a unique uh, service offering called Talent Sourcing and Delivery um, that's catered to uh, companies who have a variety of hiring needs. They want to save some money in hiring those people, uh, and they want to cut down the amount of time it takes to hire those people, essentially. Um, so it's been a really fun ride. I started the company in uh, late 2015. Um, learned a lot, as you know, uh, of and uh, yeah, we're keeping it going. It's fun. That's why I'm real excited to have you on so everybody can hear your journey because you have a true entrepreneurial story where you utilize your degrees and mm -hmm. some jobs and combined it all together. So Ryan, I share an entrepreneurial story each week that is sure to inspire our listeners. I've been able to find some great write-ups just in Entrepreneur Magazine, which isn't too hard to believe, and this one today will sure inspire you. You all know his company, but maybe not his name, Sam Walton. Sam Walton built Walmart from the ground up single-handedly and has now turned it into the biggest retailer in the entire world. He changed the way Americans shop, making himself one of the wealthiest men in the world along the process. Walton has always been a businessman, but has not always been wealthy. He started as a sales trainee in 1940 at JCPenney, but was almost fired because his manager told him, and quote, he was not cut out for retail work. <laughs> he kept his job because of his sales skills, though, where the article says he was adding an extra $25 per month in commissions. You know, it's crazy because that total, the way money was back then, 25 bucks. But he was then drafted into the Army in 1942, released from the Army in 1945, and purchased his first variety store with 5000 of his own money and $20,000 of borrowed money from his father-in-law, all to help support his wife and child. He priced his products well below other retailers, and, and his business started to triple. By 1950, he owned the leading Ben Franklin store within a six-state region. The landlord ended up wanting a piece of that action, though, for him and his son. Sam had no intention of selling, so the landlord simply said, I'm not renewing your lease. Instead of giving up, 
He searched and scoured the rural towns of Arkansas and found a new place to do business in Bentonville. He opened up a store and this time insisted on a 99-year lease. He continued to use borrow money, which is a great lesson for you all listening in, starting your businesses, to open up store after store using other people's money. And by 1960, he had now owned 15 stores. He had committed and fully adapted to this new strategy of, quote, discounting dramatically, cutting prices in hopes of undercutting his competition and making up the difference in price through higher volume of sales. Fast forward to 1962. His first Walmart was opened. Gamble did all for himself this time, mortgaging his house. So this time, this true entrepreneur is ready to do it on his own. Funded the expansion from borrowing money all the way until 1970, where he took the company public. And I'll end with a great quote from Mr. Walton. There is only one boss, the customer. And he can fire everybody in the company from the chairman down simply by spending his money somewhere else. I thought that was a great quote, Warren. Yeah, that's really cool. And Walton's story, I've, I've read a lot about him. It's really incredible because besides starting from the bottom, as they say, with no money, um, he really had to scratch and claw to be successful. He had some big setbacks. He had people standing in his way, um, and he didn't give up. He went out and found some creative ways to get funding, um, to overcome some of those hurdles, um, and he was rejected early on as a retail employee. Right away, they said, you're not cut out for it. They told him enough right away. <laughs> so very cool, very cool story. Yeah, I think it's an inspiring story, especially for this type of podcast. So Ryan, let's get into the big five. Each guest, my each week, my guests and I will go over these five questions to help them learn what it's really like to be an entrepreneur. So let's get ready. When did you first realize that you weren't happy with what you were doing or you just needed to change? I know we touched a little bit, but if you could provide some details for us all. Sure. So, you know, I've been in the staffing industry for eight years and I've always loved it. Right. I've always loved recruiting and uh, I worked for some some good companies along the way, learned from a lot of good people. So in 2015, I was working for, you know, a pretty niche IT staffing and consulting company. Um, and I just had this feeling, even though I was successful, I had this feeling that I was kind of stuck, um, and kind of bored, honestly. Um, you know, I don't think I was ever the best employee, Vinny. Um, you know, I worked hard, but I guess I was never like a company guy. I just didn't like to follow the rules and I didn't like to accept that the way that, the company that I was working for did things was the best way to do things, right? Um, so, you know, sometimes that got me in a little bit of trouble. But I, I always was just looking for a better way to do what we were doing um, and eventually kind of realized that I wasn't going to be able to do that working for like a big established company. Yep. Um, so I, I guess I wasn't the, the model employee. Uh, furthermore, you know, recruiters, as you know, Vin, sometimes get a bad rap. And honestly, for, for good reason. Um, there's a lack of transparency sometimes. Well, yeah, one person, that old saying, one person runs it for everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, inflated margins. Um, so, so, you know, I just thought that I might have a better way of doing things. Um, so long story short, I quit my job and in, in 2015, um, started working as a freelancer, but knew I had aspirations to start my own thing. Um, 
got my first direct client um, and the rest is history. Now, you know, we've got an eight person team internally. We've got, you know, 30 consultants working on projects across the country. Amazing, amazing. Uh, and this will be our best year. We've done uh, about five million in revenue this year. Well, congratulations, Ryan. I'm real excited just to see because I know this is only the beginning for you. And that's what's scary, but also exciting at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great answers. I appreciate that. What are one or, or two of the most difficult parts to being an entrepreneur? I know there's tons, tons yeah. and tons. You can go on forever. But for our listeners, what are one or two for you, at least, the most difficult parts of being an entrepreneur? Right. So, like, uh, I know a lot of people talk about facing the uncertainty, right? Like quitting your job and uh, facing the, the financial risk. And, and we both know that that's a, that's a major uh, factor of it. One thing that might not be as obvious is really the challenge of, of not knowing every day if you're doing the right things, right? Like not knowing if the things that you're spending all this time on are the right things that are going to make your business successful. You can wake up at four in the morning and work until sundown. And I think sometimes that gives us the illusion that it was a productive day, that you've taken a step forward. Um, we've all been through that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's really tough to know if you did the right things in that day. Um, so there's nobody training you, holding your hand, telling you, yeah, this is exactly what you need to do to, to make your business successful. So you've got to gauge it on your own. Um, you know, I think that you've got to take a look at like what customers are responding to, uh, what's working, what's not working. Um, you know, I had the luxury of in the beginning, I was starting a business that that other people had already done. It was proven. Mm -hmm. But then we decided to start offering this unique service that was not proven. Um, no customers were consuming it yet. And we got lucky. We had a customer that liked it. But then we struggled to find new customers for a while. It's because like we didn't, we didn't take a look at what worked, what didn't work. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is, you know, taking a look at your audience, listening to their feedback. Um, what do they like? What do they not like? What works for you? What doesn't? And document that every day. I think, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Yeah, I love that answer. That's really in depth. A lot of things are done best with firsthand experience, right? One of the benefits of being an entrepreneur one of the negatives or disadvantages of that is it's through trial and error. And right. you know, like you said, sometimes you could spend a day and then realize you may have been more efficient going down a different path. Yeah. And I but think it happens and it does. And, and I think one mistake that I made then is if something seemed like it was working, um, I would say, okay, leave it alone. Don't change that thing. Now I've kind of got the mentality I've almost got a little bit of anxiety. If something's working for a while, I'll go to my team and say like, hey, we've got to examine this. Maybe there are some things we can change. I think at first they thought I was crazy. Like if, if it ain't broke, don't fix yeah. it. Yeah. I think maybe that sense of angst that there could be something that we could do better. That's kind of what drives me. It's why I started the company. And now I think I have people around me who 
feel the same way. We're always evolving. The whole everything's evolving and you have to adapt. And there's always, this was actually my graduation quote when I gave my speech. There's always a better way to do it. Find it. That was Thomas Edison. Mm. If things work for a certain time, they may continue to work, but eventually someone's going to disrupt the market and you'll be a lagger behind. Right. Look at Amazon, Walmart, like we spoke about. These things, people just come out of nowhere. You don't see it coming. Uber. Uber. Right. You don't see it coming. And that's a great answer, Ryan. Thank you. What is one of your greatest failures? You got to pick one. And what did it teach you? Let's go into some detail, too, for everybody. Yeah. There's been a bunch of them, man. Um, so I've been pretty fortunate. I'm fortunate now in that I've got a team of people who are really bought into the mission. They share a lot of the same values that I do. Um, they're a good fit for the company. The company's a good fit for them. Um, years ago, I aligned with people who I thought would take my business to the next level based on the fact that they had had previous success. Okay. Um, and they even they had success in my industry but it didn't work out uh, more than one time. And I think looking back, it was because I, I didn't evaluate, okay, just because they've had success somewhere else, you know, are they a good fit for us? Do they have the same values we have? Um, do they understand where we're trying to go? Um, and are we a good fit for them? Are we going to be able to support them the way that they need? Are we the style of company? Is the way we sell our services? Great points, yeah. Yeah, the way that they sell their their services. So, you know, I, I, at first I felt like they had failed us, but I think we had failed them by not evaluating ourselves if we were a good fit for them. So that's one thing I learned. Even if somebody's had success, even if they have a pedigree, mm -hmm. they might not be the right person for you to partner with to take your vision and your venture to the next level. Correct. Every company manifests a different company culture, and some people have their strengths and advantage, competitive advantage in certain places that may not even apply to your company, like you're saying, although yeah. you're in the same field. You provide a certain niche, as you said, so maybe there was some, I could see that. Yeah. yeah. Great answer again. Keep going. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll add to that. Like yeah. These people came from um, a corporate environment where they had lots of support, right? And they had an HR department and they had company mm -hmm. benefits that were given to them. And there was lots of comprehensive training programs. As a new company, you don't have any of those things, you know? So you as an entrepreneur with maybe a new idea or a new company, you've got to align with people who, even if they're not willing to take the same leap you took, that they've got the entrepreneurial spirit and they don't need all of those things that a big company offers, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You want to surround yourself with like-minded individuals in anything you're doing, especially in this business venture. If they believe in your mission and the end goal, you're going to arrive at that goal probably quicker and better than you would have. Ryan, pick one entrepreneur, dead or alive. Who would that be? What are you talking about? Why'd you choose them? Mm. There's a lot of good ones, man. 
I would say uh, Jimmy Iovine. Do you know who that is? Yeah, yeah. I watched the doc series. You did? Okay. Yeah. Explain uh, to our listeners who maybe haven't had the luxury of seeing that wonderful, wonderful piece. Yeah, for sure. So Jimmy Iovine, um, he founded Interscope Records. He started out as um, a record producer and worked his way up. He also um, partnered up with Dr. Dre and uh, started Beats by Dre and sold it for, was it a billion dollars? Something. Yeah, a billion dollars to Apple. Um, And, you know, the reason why I would love to talk to him is, well, first of all, I love music. It's, it's, you know, a hobby of mine. I'm just kind of learning now how to do the music production and stuff. Um, But also, you know, I don't know if you remember, there was a part in the Defiant Ones, Vinny, where they show him when he's young in his career and he's waking up at five in the morning and he's, he's calling people before they're even awake to try to talk to them about, you know, his product or his artist, right. To try to sell them. And if he wasn't producing the music, he was out knocking on doors or he was doing the little things, doing the little things. And he wasn't afraid to hear no. He heard it many times. So like his level of like ruthlessly hard work and dedication and his passion for what he was doing, that was like super inspiring to me. So that's. That's a great answer. I mean, it's a true entrepreneurial story. He, he never gave up, and it's good advice for everybody listening in. Be, just expect to be told no and expect things to not go the way the first, well, the first time. Plan B, C, D, E, you right. name it. Yeah. And he, and, um, you know, he heard no so many times just in the footage that we saw. We've all heard no a bunch if, if you're doing your own thing and you've started your own business. I think people are genuinely scared of rejection. They feel like it's embarrassing. They feel like it's like a hit to their ego. But really, when you hear no, you're no further back from if you had just never picked up the phone or knocked on that door. Without a learning experience that you you got, whether it wasn't the way you wanted, you got a learning experience out of it. But Ryan, you, you touched on your business. You've done a little international work. Whether it be this specific business, what do you see yourself in one year and five years with your entrepreneurial endeavors? Let's start with one year, then go to five. A year from now, um, I see myself on a boat. (laughs) Isn't that the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial dream? The dream. Uh, I know that's what a lot of people think before they get into it. But uh, seriously, uh, next year, I probably see myself a little less in the weeds of like the day to day of my business uh, than I am now. Like my big push right now is to empower the really great um, people that I have working for me to do more, take on more. And as a result, they'll they'll be more successful. But selfishly, it'll mean that you know, I don't have to do as much sales anymore. I don't have to do as much recruiting. I can focus on hiring better people, mentoring the people we got, and uh, growing the business. So uh, that's it's ambitious for a year from now, but that's what I'm thinking. Um, I'll be honest with you, five years from now, I haven't even thought that far ahead. I know that people always have that five-year plan, um, you take it one year at a time. Um, ideally, you know, if I were to take a guess, 
five years from now, the company will either have grown significantly under me or will have and maybe um, joined a bigger company. And I'll move on to the next thing because I touched on earlier. I get bored really easily, so I want to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. Thanks so much for coming on today. I know our listeners are sure to see the value in your episode today. I really enjoyed how you gave such detailed story of your journey when you decided to call it quits and you talked about the nervous emotions and things that our listeners are sure to experience when they start, but it is just normal and that's just a yeah. part of it. Uh, Ryan, it's time for the last word. Is there something that you didn't get to touch on today that you'd like to share with everybody? Sure. And and this is something I think you could understand because you're you're out there doing it right now, Vin. Um, there's a lot of people who I guess would like to consider themselves entrepreneurs, right? It's it's a sexy, flashy thing. Um, in reality, when you get into it, it's it's quite the opposite. So if you're considering starting your own business or going the entrepreneurial route, I'd recommend sitting down with yourself and considering, are you willing to make the sacrifices necessary to, to do it? Can you live without a salary? Can you live without the benefits? Um, can you sacrifice your lifestyle for a while? Um, can you sacrifice some of your social life? Uh, if you have a significant other, are they on board with it? Because that's, that's definitely a-, a group decision if you're in a serious relationship, because I mean, people think it's a joke. I start my days really 1.32 a.m. because for me to do my speaking and my now these podcast series and my other entrepreneurial endeavors, my sacrifice is a high paying salary job. I have an MBA and I have a finance degree. I can qualify for a good job. But my day, I mean, I read all these articles these mega millionaires, they're all up crack of dawn anyway. They're all reading X amount of books that I'm thinking, how am I got time to get through my books that I'm reading? You know, I'm doing chapter by chapter in a few books. It's just a true lifestyle commitment, but the end of the road is something where the light should be very, very bright because it is worth it. Even as you see baby steps, you start to feel fulfilled because you feel accomplished, but there's still so much work to be done. I had my book come out. I thought that was you know, a plateau, but it really was just the beginning. Of the next chapter, and now it's the book with the podcast. And now it's it keeps rolling. Hell yeah! And and I got that email from you at like one thirty in the morning, and I'm like, is was, is he still awake from last night, or is he waking <laughs> up right now? <laughs> yeah, every day it's, it's it's just a lifestyle switch. But I've always been an early bird, and some people are night owls. I leverage my ability to get up early and be and be productive for mega hours, and then have the opportunity in the afternoon to attack my entrepreneurial endeavors like this podcast. So Ryan, thanks for joining. Can you please share your social media and website for our listeners so they can follow your path if they need your services? Please go ahead. For sure. So the website is envisionrg.com. Um, and then... Uh, and that's E-N-V? E-N-V-I-S-I-O-N-R-G.com. And uh, if you go to LinkedIn, you can type in Envision Resource Group. You'll find us. Type in my name. You'll find me. And uh, we'd love to connect. Absolutely, guys. You can follow the show on Instagram at your favorite morning podcast and on Twitter at Podcasts by Lancey. Of course, my handles are Vincent at Vincent A. Lancey on all social media and YouTube. And my website is Vincent A. Lancey. 
Make sure to grab a copy of my book, Left for Dead, A Story of Redemption, on Amazon now. DM me, email me, let me know what you think. If you really enjoyed today's episode, please continue listening and rate what it's really like to be an entrepreneur five stars. I work really hard to find value delivering stories for you on each episode. And as always, I will follow the last word with a quote that inspired me, and it will for you too. Happiness is not something you postpone for the future. It is something you design for the present. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all on the next episode of What It's Really Like to Be an Entrepreneur.